Kim Ang meets the media, met the media today on Friday. Welcome to Friday's episode of Locked On Marlins. We've got all of the sound bites from Kim Ang's presser. Plus, the postseason has already started. Tampa Bay Rays already with an L in the book. There, we're gonna. There's still stuff to get into today, guys. There still is. Kim, postseason baseball's here. Sean Barrett is also here on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, of course, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Don't forget the underscore, no TikToks, no Instas. You know the drill. Please subscribe if you are listening to the podcast. It's free and available everywhere five days a week. And this is the Friday episode. If you're watching on YouTube, hello, greetings and welcome to my living room and welcome to Sean Barrett's living room. The UK GOAT returns on a Friday, not a Monday, Friday. He's back. Sean, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. The season's over now, but there's still baseball on the telly. I'm not quite sure what this playoff baseball is. I'm not used to it, but mm. uh, it looks intriguing. And how are you enjoying the BT Sport coverage, by the way? Uh, well, yes, we were, we were enjoying it to a degree, but uh, <laughs> I'm pretty certain I paid for this earlier in the year on MLB TV, but it's not there. So uh, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. The blackouts, the blackouts are real. All of a sudden, us UK fans are dealing with this phenomenon that is known as the blackout. And I'll just set the scene for you guys, you US guys. In, in the UK, we've had no games. No games are ever blacked out because we're an out of market for every team. And so we get every single game regular season other than the games played in London. Uh, that is blacked out. Uh, but we get every game. However, the postseason, and that normally includes the postseason. So we normally get everything. This year, the regular season has been the same. We've had everything. However, they've changed the rules. They've sold the rights to BT Sport. And that means that MLB TV is not an option for us to watch the postseason and as Sean mentioned a lot of people are unhappy with that they feel that they have paid for postseason baseball and now have to go and subscribe to BT Sport I already had BT Sport and the reason being is they showed the Champions League on BT Sport what I am shocked at I'm going to call it out right now I am shocked at the lack of crossover between baseball and football and in US language that's soccer I'm shocked because BT Sport shows the Champions League, it shows the Premier League, and all I'm hearing is people saying, I need to now go and subscribe to something else. Baseball and football fans, they are not the same. There's not a lot of crossover. That is very interesting. Nevertheless, that is a segue I didn't need to get into early on, but it is it is topical here in the UK. And I feel, I feel everyone's pain on the blackouts. They just, they're annoying. It's annoying. You just want to watch baseball and you feel that MLB TV is the perfect way to deliver it. And then you're left scrambling around. Nevertheless, the Rays, they've dropped game one. They lost 2-1. Against the Guardians, it was a pitching duel as advertised and a Jose Ramirez bomb. Two-run bomb. Um, the Marlins should have gone and got him last uh, last offseason. Nevertheless, they didn't. Guardians are there. Sean, we made it, though. We made it. 1-6-2 completed, I don't know how many episodes as well. You join me on Locked Up Marlins. It's countless. 
It's countless, mate. So it's been the year of lockdown Marlins for us. But 162, finally in the books. It's fair to say it was a bit of a struggle, but how would you just briefly overall summarize the Marlins in 2022? Uh, well, you've got to say it's a disappointment. Um, I mean, the 162, I mean, I know you're not the biggest fan of such a long season, but I love the grind. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> you love pain. Yeah, evidently, yeah. <laughs> I'm a sucker for it. Um, but, yeah, no, we came into the season with a bit of optimism, I think. You know, the, we knew what we had in the rotation. Mm. Um, and we hoped that the improvements that they made on the offensive side of the ball would, would improve the team. And we didn't really know much about the bullpen or have high hopes for the bullpen. As it is, we all know what happened with the offensive season, with the struggles of Abby and, and Stallings for a good half of the season. And then the injuries. I mean, let's remember that the, the season was still in hand. It was still in touching distance when these injuries really started to bite the team. And yes, every team that get injuries will say that through the season. But it's, it's a genuine storyline for the season. But I think overall... You've got to, you know, your your lasting memories of this season are going to be how poor they were with the bat, and of course Sandy's season, his sight young season, and maybe a bit about Mattingly as well. Obviously, Mattingly's last season as a manager for the Marlins, and in my mind, probably ever. I think any role that he does get in baseball will be either, you know. In one of those high offices somewhere as an advisor or potentially as a hitting coach out of what he spoke about on, yeah. on the last game. So that was an interesting wrinkle that I hadn't I hadn't expected him to want to do that, to, to take that step down and, and continue with that day-to-day in the dugout grind. Um, I expected yeah. him to go up as an advisor. But yeah, no, it's an interesting wrinkle. And it's certainly something that you've got to remember that this, this is the last of the era you know, we're going to go into a new season now and it's going to be completely different. So I think that's one thing that I will, you know, when I look back at this season, that will be on my mind. Yeah, I, I was with you on the Donnie news. It did definitely allude. I, I talked about it, I think, on yesterday's episode that it, it feels like he was alluding to the fact that he still wants to coach and maybe get more specifically as a hitting coach. I don't know what level, let's assume the major league level. And when he speaks about hitting, he comes alive. You know, it's all well and good. It's hard to come alive in the post-game presses when you're being asked about bullpen explosions and the offense being terrible. No one's going to come alive to that. But when you start to ask Donnie about hitting and approach and the mechanics of it all, like you can see he does come alive in that situation. And yeah, I I, I have a gut feel that he's going to land at a major league club and likely be you know, a hitting coach or something along those lines and we'll probably do pretty well. So yeah, wait and see what, you know, what the future holds for Donnie. As you mentioned, the the term disappointing. I think that's the, the term that Kim has used multiple times as well. And Kim Ang met the media today via Zoom and there were some sound bites that came out of that. I think my overall sound bite from Kim in the past few weeks though, Sean, has been this, this kind of phrase that she's used that, you know, that, the the overall record is not indicative of the talent on the roster. That's kind of something that stuck with me. She's mentioned it and doubled down a few times on that and probably said it today as well. I'm not clear. Do you agree with Kim on that? That the record isn't indicative? I know the injuries have, have hurt, but you know, overall, your record is your record. And you know, I, I don't think 
I don't think the Marlins looked like they were any better team than this at all, to be honest with you. So I'm I'm pretty comfortable where they've ended this year. I only look up and down. The OPS is galore and everything's under 700. Like the offense has just been so bad. And the bullpen, she just we just forgot about it until the last day and hoped um, seemed to be the approach. But yeah, I mean, that's my view. What about you on this one? I think, I think there are some nuggets in that team that, you know, will get another chance and, and can get this team going in the right direction. But when I'm when I hear a GM speak and does I mean Kim obviously is in this bracket, I'm always trying to hear what they're not saying, as in what what do they mean by what they're saying? And and to me, my concern is big bigging up the, the players on the team and saying we think we've got the talent that we don't my concern is they don't think they need to add much or more to the point they know they're probably not going to add much because they'll already have in their head, they'll already been given that number of this, you have X amount of dollars next year. You know, there, there isn't going to be this huge, crazy jump in attendance or season ticket renewals where they go, oh, we've been blown away. We can add more money. They know what they're going to spend next year yeah. already. How they're going to go about it, they might not know So for sure. So for those words to me ring out worry, worrying signs as far as you know they're not going to go out and get that number one reliever from the free agency yeah. market. They're certainly not going to be going and get out getting a stud shortstop at any point, no matter how many times you tweet it out, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, there have been sources that are. Uh... Or rumors, let's say, that Carlos Carrera is uh, is expecting a huge offer from the Marlins if he opts out uh, of his deal, and he should opt out of his deal, uh, by the way. And it was always planned that Correa would opt out of that deal. He kept the insurance there, but I like the way he structured that that contract. In effect, he kind of went for the Jorge Soler approach, um, but unfortunately for the Marlins, Jorge Soler played what sixty games or whatever, and um, Correa had another another stunning year. I mean. If we were to dream, if if we were and we dared to dream, and a few people commented yesterday on this to say, just imagine if he had Correa and Jazz in that middle infield, just just how differently you would feel just about the Marlins, the offense, everything. Like in many ways, some people have talked about, you know, a Trey Turner or, you know, Dansby Swanson. But for me, I just love that fit of Correa and Jazz. I think that would be absolutely wild. Uh, there'd be a downgrade in in the defense, no doubt about it. Like that's, it, the defense definitely would take a hit. But if we dared to dream, mate, I think that would be a real nice little combo there in in, in the middle infield. What about you? I mean, we are in the full scope of dreaming at this point. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be great, but I have been a fan of the Marlins far too long to continue to think about along the lines of, wouldn't it be great if they did this? Wouldn't it be great if they did that? <laughs> they never do this, and they certainly never do that. So no. um, <laughs> let's let's try and keep our feet on the ground. And, and I know the first recording with me and you is in the off-season, and I'm sure we'll have some crazy takes over the off-season, but um, that, that would be one hell of a way to start it, for sure. Yeah, we're probably being a bit brave there. I, I think... Craig talked about it on Swings and Mishes uh, today, the episode that dropped today. Um, the, you know, for all that we want to dream, it ain't happening. The the shortstop free agent, it's it's just not happening. You know, Trey Turner, Correa, um, Swanson, any of those dudes. In reality, 
the majority of the free agent market, the the top quality ones, the Marlins are not, they're not swimming in those waters. They never will do. They have to be more aggressive with trades. That's the thing. And Kim did talk about that today, that it felt like, uh, we, we felt this, didn't we, at the deadline, the language she used and the way she described things felt passive at the time. They weren't, it was kind of like, oh, well, we'll just wait and see. We're not overly fussed. And that's generally due to the fact that there was, you know, they, they weren't rental guys, not where you have to move them. Didn't have to move Pablito, but and if the right deal came on, you pull the trigger. I think now, though, in this offseason, the aggression needs to be turned up a notch or two. What do you think? Absolutely. We I talk about the Sandy window all the mm. time. And, yeah. you know, yes, he's signed up for a long period, and you could say it's a long window, but Sandy at 17 for the last two years, I'm not sold that they'll keep him at that number. And if they do keep him at that number, what are they putting around him to try mm. and win with him? So yeah. while Sandy is very cheap for what you're actually getting in a Cy Young picture, these yeah. next couple of years are absolutely vital. And it is a concern that you've got Avi and Solaire the, the second year or the third year technically isn't that big of a number, but we've got those two high-priced bats in that window that if they if they keep them, they're eating up an awful lot of the money. Between the three of them, Sandy Avi and Soleil, you're talking 50, 60% of your payroll. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an awful yeah, it's lot of money. It is. So it is a concern, but no, it is a case of it's, it's now or never because if they don't win or they even just make the playoffs in the next two years, I could see a full rebuild on the cards. Mm. Um, you, you'd pay Jazz and he'd be your lone star as you rebuild for your next window. That's that's how I would do it if I was running yeah. the team. Yeah, there's there's some notion of thought out there that, you know, even at this point, the way to fully re- reboot it is to to move Sandy, you know, if, if a deal comes along and listen, there'll be there'll be calls on Sandy. Like if this this should be 29 calls on Sandy, to be honest. Because if you're other GMs, you know, you can you can sense that the Marlins may be struggling you know, to leverage this sandy window. And if that's the case, then this is maybe the time for the Marlins to sell at the highest possible value of Sandy Alcantara. Like that, we talked about that before about Brian Reynolds last offseason saying like Reynolds is at his absolute peak now. And in comparison, he had a down year compared to the previous year. And there's a one year gone of his, of his uh, you know, controllable years, an extra year of age on the clock. Like it starts to become depreciating assets at this point. And so I'm not for one moment saying the Marlins should trade Sandy Alcantara right now. And I, I absolutely hope that they don't. And I'd be shocked, truly shocked if they did. But if you take a step back from it, Sandy is at the absolute peak of his value right now. The reality is, though, in these trades that we've seen in you know historically, and I don't know how many of them would compare to moving Sandy right now. But most of them, they end up favoring the team that acquires Sandy, let's say. Like, they would be the winner, no matter what comes back and how hyped we would be on the farm and this player and that player. Um, likelihood is it probably wouldn't be a win for the fish in the long run. But I do trust Kim's eye with the trades, and but I just hope it doesn't come down to Sandy. They need to do tons. Uh, the other interesting bit, too, um, that, that popped out, there was a few other bits. 
Sixto Sanchez, Sean. According to Kim Ang, she is in their plans for next year. In their plans for next year. There's a caveat to that, though. Provided he's healthy. <laughs> so Sixto Sanchez could well be a part for the for the Marlins um, if he's healthy. Gut feel, will he be healthy? No. <laughs> I mean, what's she going to say? You know, I know. No, his arm's bust. He's, he's, he will never see him again. Of course, she's just going to say he's in the plans. And if he's healthy, he would be in any team's plans. Um, what that would look like, I'm not quite sure because we just haven't seen him. No. But the, the idea of expecting him to come back in spring training and be the 6-0 that we saw when he first emerged is, is ludicrous. But, yeah, I mean, Kim is doing her job, which is to be incredibly boring and say the most mm -hmm. obvious things and not rock the boat too much because that, that's the job of, of, of GM in the sense of talking to the media. You don't want to, you know what you want to give up, you know what you're not going to give up, and you're certainly never going to say anything overly negative. You know, she's not going to come out there and start ripping people because no. that's just not how it's done. So, yeah, of course, when she gets asked about him, she's going to say he's in the plans because you can't say anything otherwise. No, you can't. Um, she did also mention that uh, that she's spoken directly with with Avicel Garcia, and he and by all accounts he takes full accountability for his performance this season, and that no one feels worse than him about his season. I think that's interesting, and the I was kind of talking about it maybe on Monday about Avi finally shedding the the timber. Uh, it was clear that he was carrying too much timber, and you know I'm pleased to see. He's made a change and uh, and whatever, but I do just wonder whether it was just the pressure of being the guy for the first ever time. Like in, in Milwaukee, for example, you've got Yelich there. And what I mean by that is big money MVP Yelich that takes it away. Avisel's just a cog in the wheel there in that situation. As the guy rocking into Miami, it's a different situation on a team that wants to do well and to win. A lot of pressure there, I think. And I, I do sense that that is probably at the heart of things here, that it just got a little bit in Avi's head early and he just couldn't find a way out. He just couldn't get his head into it, out of it, however you want to phrase it. And you know, maybe that then leads to the fact, bleeds into his kind of physical conditioning. And like, it's maybe it's hard to lose weight when you're on playing baseball every day. Like, it's not optimal. You want to you know, losing weight, having done it before, it usually means you've got a calorie deficit. And what does that mean? You're kind of feeling weak at times. Like you take less calories in, you've got less energy, you're feeling, you know, it's hard to go out there and play baseball every day on a diet, to be honest. And so I can kind of get it. But what's your take on that with Abby? Because it seemed, I feel like it was more mental overall. Just get the sense that it became mental anyway. Yeah, the, the, the big market of Miami baseball got to him with the bright lights. <laughs> uh, I mean, all those eyeballs on him. I mean, it, the pressure must have been immense. I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Am, am I giving him a, 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 a layup here? Am I giving him a mulligan? Is that the word I'm thinking? Yeah, of? well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, if you, if you look at him in the same way that we looked at Bass last year, mm. you know, we spoke about this before, the idea that the Bass had an absolutely shocking year. For what he yeah. came in for, came in to be the closer, ended the season yeah. without a single save. You know, we we were just saying, let's ship him off. It's only a three million year option. 
team option or whatever, you know, it was a, or she guaranteed contract and then a team option. You know, ship him off, get rid of him. And then he turned around and had a great season. So if Avi can come back next year, you know, in shape and play to his career norms, I think we'd all be really happy and we'd almost not forget last year, but it will certainly soften it. Now, are we back in the realms of dreaming again? Maybe. Mm. But I think there's more. Ch- there's certainly more chance of Abby coming back next year and having a good year than the Marlins are having Carlos Carrera as a shortstop next year. So, you know, never say never. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment, mate, that the percentage chance of Abby turning it around versus Correa taking one single at-bat for the Marlins, uh, I would uh, lean more heavily to Abby Garcia. You never know. But I think that's the likely way it goes. Uh, I've completely realized I forgot to do the ad, so we better do that. And then uh, we'll wrap up with a few other notes from, from Kim Ang as well. Um, guys, And you know, for those watching on YouTube, boom. There's those graphics, baby, those bet online graphics. And that's spoiled it. It's teased it, over-teased it, let's say. Uh, BetOnline.net. It is your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online it remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information. They got live betting, up to the minute scores for every sport out there, and it is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, it's postseason baby, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Absolutely love them graphics. There we go. Okay, Sean, so just a couple of other final bits that, that cropped up. Um, it was, Barry Jackson was talking about this, and I thought it was interesting, um, The whether the Marlins lineup needs minor upgrades or major upgrades was the line of questioning. And her answer was, it's hard to say. It's hard to say if, <laughs> if the lineup needs minor upgrades or major upgrades. Um, she then went on to say, for some of these guys, they have performed well, I think historically she's talking about. Soler had a 48 homer season and Garcia had 29 once. Uh, not 30, by the way. Um, to ignore what they've done in the past wouldn't be smart on our end, was the quote. So just to re resummarize that, does it need minor or major upgrades? It's too hard to tell. We shouldn't ignore the history of some of the free agents uh, that we signed last year, although their performance was not good or they were impacted by injury. What do you make of that one from Kim? I think in a way she's right. I think that's a tough one to hear, obviously, for Martin's fans. And I'm not quite sure that's how I would word it. You know, the, they have had... There's a reason why the Martin signed them. Should they have signed them to the contracts they signed them to? No, probably not. But there's a reason why they brought them in as hopeful offensive upgrades because they you know they've had good major league careers on the whole. Yeah. And I think to a certain degree, yeah, you could say that the year that Abby had, this could be considered the the one that's most away from his norms. So yeah, you could say give him a mulligan and we'll run yeah. it back with him and, and we'll hope for more. But if I'm looking at a player and I'm reviewing him or I'm, I'm making the, trying to make an assessment on him, I am looking at his previous career. Obviously, what else would you be looking at? But I'm looking at the most recent year and making the most 
that that's going to be the busiest one in my information gathering because that's yeah. the one we've seen most recently. I think Solaire didn't actually have that bad of a year. If you just look at the cold hard numbers, the injuries obviously haven't you know we haven't seen him at his best. I think in a healthy year we will see more. Solaire will be more representative of what the Marlins thought they were going to get. The Avi season's just been so horrific that 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 hope that he bounces back is is not quite as high, but. You know, she's again. What is she gonna say? Yeah, these guys. Are signed, she you said these guys are signed up. They've got guaranteed contracts. Yeah, she can't say we made a mistake. This no, year. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. You can't. I mean, not as the GM anyway on a media call. Wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, I mean it would. This I mean, podcast would have been a lot longer if, if she had done because that would have been <laughs> sensational. But no, she said what she had to say. You know, these guys are. Yeah. Staying with the team, they're, they're not movable contracts. In fact, you yeah. say they hurt the team more. They did try and move them. So yeah, she's going to have to say that she hopes that they bounce back. And of course, we all hope that they bounce back. Hundred percent. I completely with you. One other one that I again thought was interesting, and I hope you are now listening, uh, Mr. Alan Witz, because your favourite man, Jesus Sanchez, was mentioned. Uh, asked whether. They could count on Abisail Garcia, Soler, which we've already talked about, those those two guys, plus Jesus Sanchez for major roles next season. Kim said, optimistic um, that Jesus Sanchez looks like he's found prior form. So that's interesting. Likes how De La Cruz has played also, so goes on to talk about De La Cruz. Um, said that will impact the 2023 thinking as well. De La Cruz maybe has played himself into a role sounds like they're still they still see one for Jesus Sanchez. Well, by my by my uh, cal- by my calculations, try and say that right. You've got Avi, De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, Soler. Let's say he's DH in an outfield. Like that's the outfield locked in, right? I mean, between those four, it's pretty much it. So let's run it back, baby. <laughs> let's run it back. I am surprised though. I mean, again, what is she going to say? To your point, though, Sean, that you've said all along, what is she going to say? Well, she's going to say they have a future. Because when they try and trade Jesus Sanchez in the next month, you know, some other club will go, well, hey, you're going to waive that dude in a few months' time. I'm not going to give you anything for him. We'll just sit there and we'll claim him on waivers. So she has to say that, right? Because otherwise, whatever little trade value perhaps remains, and maybe I'm completely you know, overestimating this now. But I'm just not convinced you can roll into 23 with Jesus Sanchez in any kind of starting role at this point. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, he has, he came back up in very limited time. Actually, he, he was hitting well in AAA. And the one thing that I had seen um, that, that kind of piqued my interest was how similar he's hitting now as far as a, a, an approach, as a, as a batting stance as he had done last year and then seeing what he'd done in the early part of the season and how far mm. they, they basically took a player that was playing well, yeah, made an adjustment. It didn't work. He got sent down and he, the fans, yeah. you know, turned on him. They put him back to what he had done previously and is now hitting again. So yeah. he's, he, he's an interesting case. I think it is one of those situations where unfortunately it won't be on a big scene, but Winter ball, 
and spring training will be huge for him. You know, we, we, we've been through this with Brinson. Like, if he can have a good winter and if he can have a good spring, then we yeah. we all get excited and we all trust him again. And then April turns around and you, yeah. you get nothing from him. So I think it'll be interesting. I think the Marlins will give him every opportunity or they should give him every opportunity. But you are mm. right. If, if any team take an interest in him at a trade value commensurate to what they would have got at the end of last season, they they might actually bite their hand off. So then then he'll go to that team and he'll become a multiple time all star because that's how that's how things happen to Marlins fans, unfortunately. It is as we watch Harold Ramirez hitting cleanup for the Rays in uh, in the postseason here. But yeah, I'm I I just think with Jesus it would be a such a high risk strategy for the Marlins to decide that they're going to roll with him starting. You know, even if it's a corner spot. You know, let's let's say they go and make a splash for Brian Reynolds. And I'm going to keep saying that because I think that trade makes so much sense now. It really, really does. The price tags come down. The controls come down. It's just a great fit for the Marlins. The Pirates aren't getting any better, and they're not really nearing that that phase at all. Such a good fit. So let's. I'm going to plug Reynolds in there for center field purposes for now. Avi's in right field. Left field, you've then got a couple of options. You know, if Jesus Sanchez is there and Brian De La Cruz, they split time plus Soler. Is that moving the needle for you for the Marlins here? I think that's that's probably the highest, other than doing nothing. That is probably the highest probability of of options for the Marlins. And mm. I think I don't think that's uh, we we fooled ourselves before with the the Cooper and the Aguilar and the Lewin and go, we've got too many bats. And mm. we didn't. <laughs> we really, really didn't. <laughs> I mean, we did so, by like position, you know, like by roster yeah. spot we did, but, but yeah, actual, not by ability. Bats, yeah, I think that's fine. I think you you would use Solaire intermittently in the outfield and DH mixing yeah. with Coop and Coop playing at first base when he needs to. Dela Cruz, I still think, needs to pen- be penciled in as a fourth outfielder that earns a starting role. But then by doing that, you're starting Sanchez over Dela Cruz. And I think Dela Cruz has actually shown a lot more yeah, specifically at the end of the year to, to earn that. Then And then you're talking about Jesus. I mean, yes, he can play centre field. You could use him in all three outfield spots. I wouldn't mm. personally do it myself because we've seen that show before and it's not we a have. good one. So I think there is a, a case where that all those bats fit and they all do get their time. And let's remember that there will be injuries you know, through the season. So having what seems like too many bats is, is never a, a bad thing. Um, the concern is, obviously, you haven't got that option with Sanchez. That option now yeah. feels even more important when we're discussing how you'd play around it because you could you could have Sanchez move up and down through the season depending on, you know, how the, the outfield is fitting. If everyone's healthy and you can't find that spot for him, you send them now, and as soon as you get a guy that's away for a week or two or three months, you know he can come back up. So it's it is a concern, but I do think that that is an option. I think the Marlins shouldn't not go and get Reynolds just because it will impinge on Dela Cruz's playing time, or it impinges on them having to keep Sanchez or moving Sanchez. Like like if Sanchez is moved because they bring in Reynolds. I don't think even Alan would be upset with that. You you're right to call out as well this the whole option thing. Like they 
they rolled with Jesus for so long that the season was dead by that point. And okay, he'd been a naughty boy. He'd missed a game or slept in or whatever he whatever happened. He forgot there was a game. Um, you know, whether it was you know, a kind of punishment or whatever, I don't know. But nevertheless, they burned that option. I remember Joe Brasaro being the first one to call it out, saying, you know, they've got a decision make here on Jesus. Do they want to burn this option knowing that, you know, he's not a finished product and to have the flexibility both for yourself or as a potential trade uh, partner, you know, now no one has that flexibility. We're now back to the situation of a Mag Sierra a few years ago where out of options, well, we kind of like some of the things he does and okay, he can be a fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder, you know, basically a, an ice bucket guy is what Mag Sierra became. And, you know, he's carrying a roster spot there and it's kind of forced on you because they've used this option. Again, for me, that's another puzzling decision here. I, I, and me and you aren't around. We don't know why they went down that path. But like, and the outsider looking in, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Season's cooked. They're bringing up left, anyone left, right and center. Like Peyton Burdick's up. Like Peyton Burdick didn't need to be up at that point, really. You could just leave Jesus Sanchez there. And actually, we're thankful that he did go down because he realized that anything that Marcus Thames had taught him was absolutely not the right thing. So put that in the bin. Go back to your AAA guy that knows what he's doing and come up. And I get that. That has worked. But, oh, anyway, it's a puzzling situation. Sean, we're out of time. We're way over time. It's 33 minutes. It's so long. With no baseball on and no baseball for the next four months. Nevertheless, thank you for joining me, guys, on Locked on Marlins. And thanks to Sean Barrett. The UK GOAT, of course, joining me again this week. A little bit of programming news and notes here, guys. Next week, we're going to roll into a multi-part uh, series of awards. We're going to hand out some awards, some gongs. Sean's going to be on the panel, as well as a few other special guests. So stay tuned for that one next week, guys. There'll be a few Twitter polls for you to engage with in advance. I also want to finish up and round off the show um, with the news. For, for those that haven't listened uh, the Springs of Mishes, uh podcast dropped today, which was always great to hear from those guys. Uh, the news there at the moment that it's it's being wound backwards, let's say, at the moment. It's not it's not completely dead, not in the bin. Um, but, you know, the guys, uh, you know, taking stock of where they're at with that one. And uh, But I just want to shout out and say, probably on behalf of all Marlins fans, just how appreciative we've been of that podcast, that source of information for Craig and Jeremy over the past four or five seasons doing that pod. For me, it's in the must-listen tier, always has been. I don't think I've missed an episode. And listen, I don't think there's any other podcast in my must-listen tier. That's how good a pod it's been, how much I've enjoyed it. So I want to thank JT, Craig, for doing that. I'm sure they'll – they'll and actually, no, I'm, I know they'll be joining me on this pod uh, in the coming months and, uh, and weeks, no doubt about it. But, guys, that's going to wrap us up. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the content this week and all season. 162 is done and in the books. We're going to start – reflecting with some awards and then start looking ahead, looking at this roster, what moves need to be made. There's 48 guys on the 40 man at the moment. So you do the math. They need to make some moves. Also, where are the gaps? Where are the holes? Where are the trade partners? Where are the free agents? What are they going to be asking for? Way too much for the Marlins. Nevertheless, guys, we're going to dig into that all over the coming weeks. Sean, thanks so much as always, brother. And to the listeners, back next week.